Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm, I'm sorry, that story's just too good. We need to share oh. that with everyone. That is and there's more hilarious. to it. That is yes. too hilarious. The sexy, sexy former uh, treasurer of the state of Cal Unicornia, accused of sexual harassment, frequently shared hotel rooms with her chief of staff during her tenure, a practice she said she engaged in to save money. (laughs) I love that. I love that. We need more government officials who say, no, 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 crawl in bed with me. Oh, what? You don't care about taxpayer money? What? You don't care about the hardworking taxpayer out there? Climb in bed with me. (laughs) So... Treasurer Fiona Ma accused of sexual harassment by one Judith Blackwell, former director of the California whatever uh, committee, said Ma had exposed herself and crawled into bed with her when the two shared a room at a hotel and at a rental property. Why are you the cr- lo- why are you crawling into bed with me? Because I'm a fiscal conservative. What? Why are you complaining? You spendthrift? What are you a Marxist? I care about people, so move it, over. <laughs> it's ten dollars less for the single king than the two queens. Exactly. So I got one bed. And what, now, let's cuddle up to stay warm. I don't like to use the uh, the thermostat. Exactly. In the lawsuit, Ms. Blackwell says Ma encouraged her to share rooms with her in Sacramento instead of driving back to her home in the Bay Area after work. That's hilarious. During the time Ms. Ma shared a room with the plaintiff, she exposed her rear, bare rear end directly to plaintiff on multiple occasions. So this was woman on woman, though? Uh, yes. This was two, yes. Ch- two chicks. Okay. Indeed. Ms. Ma's actions were intentional and not accidental, and it was done to get plaintiff's attention. Plaintiff was uncomfortable and was fearful to comment on Ms. Ma's what? lewd behavior. What? You're uncomfortable with your boss? Gets, you're on a business trip. Your boss gets one room and then shows you their bare ass. Right. That makes you What do you think of this? Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Can you imagine you're on a business trip with your boss? You get to the hotel room. They get you walk to the desk. You're doing the whole get the keys, sign anything like that. You start to walk away. Wait a second. Where's where's no? We're we just one room. One room? Yeah, yeah. We're sharing a room to to save money. What? I'm hey, staying hey, in there's... a room with you. Uh, why? Hey, hey, cover cover that thing. Yeah. What are you doing? Laura Cray, professor at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, said Ma's custom of sharing hotel rooms with subordinates quote doesn't seem to be a wise practice. I'll uh... now I say. How about if I sleep in the car, Chief, and you can just uh, send me a text in the morning when you're ready to go to the meeting? I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Ms. Ma would also occasionally invite plaintiff to dinner, and by the time dinner would end, it would be impractical for plaintiff to drive home and come back early the next day. Therefore, Ms. Ma invited plaintiff to stay at the Weston Hotel in Sacramento, California, where she would have her own room paid for by Ms. Ma. It's funny, if this were a man doing it to a woman, it would be seen as some sort of toxic masculinity, violent, near-violent, angry, something or other. But because it's two women, I guess it's just looking at it as kind of a sexual thing. Still not cool, but... Ms. Blackwell also says Ma gave her jewelry, paintings, and edible marijuana as gifts. (sighs) I'm telling you. You roll up to the hotel with your boss, and you find out you're all staying in the same room, and then he comes out with kind of a towel around him. Yeah, but not really. Shows you, shows you his, his Harry Valentine. No, oh, boy. I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to sleep down in the lobby. I'll just they had a couch down there. <laughs> I'll stay up all night. <laughs> right. I'll just pace back and forth in the hall. What are you doing? I'm uh, making a bed in the tub. I'm just going to put some blankets in there and a 
pillow. No, nah, that's, that's not good enough. You would still get the B.A. <laughs> that's right. The bare ass. That's right. And that's what exactly. you're trying to avoid. Exactly. Forget it. I almost spit my coffee out when you said they're trying to save taxpayer money. And of all things, on this National Coffee Day, did you realize today is National Coffee Day? No, every day is ca- coffee day in my world. I learned that listening to one of my favorite music stations yesterday in the district. Hey, hey tomorrow's National Coffee Day. Don't forget to stop by Starbucks and get yourself a big boca at celebration, that sort of thing. Um, <sighs> national Coffee Day, when every time I hear about a national day, I remember that you brought us the fact that there's like websites where you can get anything declared national something or other day. Yeah, it costs you like a hundred and a half. <laughs> you get it, depending, depending. How big a press release you want set out, and do you want a plaque? Yeah, I need to get, spend the hundred and fifty bucks and get like a national squinty-eyed, bald-headed guy day or something like that. <laughs> It'll be my day. Yeah, wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> great, great idea. So the pandemic has slowed the criminal justice system to a crawl in much of the U.S. Increase in violent crime, straining the system even further. The unholy details coming up in a few moments. The pandemic also interrupting supply chains, as we all know, if you've been to any store ever. But they say it's really going to affect Christmas. There's all kinds of shipping problems all around the world that are uh, far enough out that there's going to be a real supply chain problem for lots of stuff come Christmas time. Plus, you get uh, Vietnam's getting whacked by the COVID right now. Uh, they had actually done pretty well uh, here to four, but now they've got a terrible COVID problem. And lots and lots of, of stuff that we buy is made in Vietnam these days, particularly clothing and shoes and that sort of thing. Where, where was I yesterday? Someplace Target or someplace. Um, and I, I needed a particular battery, and they were out of that common kind of battery. Things that never happened in the United States. You know, we've grown accustomed to, I go to the store, and they've got whatever they carry. They've got some of it, always, sure. my whole life. But now it's very regular to be just, no, we don't have any of those. Those are all gone. Boy, that's crazy. The idea of, uh, sorry, we're out of double A's. I mean, when when was the last time that happened? Right. Yeah, craziness. Meanwhile, some Chinese solar panel manufacturers have stopped sending panels to the U.S. or threatening to halt shipments over uh, regulatory concerns, high import tariffs, um, and it could really derail the Biden administration's probably unrealistic green energy goals uh, anyway and lead to large layoffs among U.S. panel installers. They can't get panels. So we mentioned earlier that we've got a new richest man in the world. It is Elon Musk, who says he's going to send a silver medal and a giant statue of the number two to Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. As Elon Musk is now worth 200-some billion dollars because of the success of Tesla. Um, But what's more interesting than that to me, and this just came out, uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk had some uh, kind of snarky things to say about Joe Biden recently, about how biased Joe Biden is against Tesla because his company doesn't have the whole auto union thing going. Biden had a big electric car summit at the white house and didn't invite elon musk wow far and away we we had the stats the other day in terms of electric car sales tesla outstrips everybody else added together i mean it's not even close tesla is the only thing that's happened around electric cars ever 
that leads you to believe that electric cars could actually be a thing. None of the others have even made a dent in the world of cars except for Tesla. And Joe Biden doesn't invite Elon Musk to the White House when he's got the people there from GM and Ford and Honda and Chrysler who are making electric cars that hardly anybody's buying, but not Tesla. Right. Isn't that incredible? Because he's a union guy. Elon Musk said not only did he not invite me, he didn't even mention Tesla once when he's talking about electric cars. He praised GM and Ford for leading the EV revolution. That is unbelievable. And you can't you can't win like that as a country. So you, Joe Biden, who talks all the time about the existential threat of climate change and how you're the climate change guy and you've got a climate change czar and all these different things. That's what you care about so much. And the only car company that has ever come along and actually made it work, you won't even mention his name because he doesn't have the union members working. Bingo. That's crazy. So that might be the most hypocritical thing he's ever done. I mean, that is just unfreaking believable You're going to lecture me day in, day out. You're going to try to cripple the economy to try to, to be a, a, a leader about climate change, even though it won't do any good. And you won't even mention Elon Musk's name because he doesn't have union workers. True international average of pressure. In other words, right. you don't actually care about climate change, or you would, you would mention the most successful electric car company ever. Or you don't care about it much. I learned years and years ago taking screenwriting classes that, you know, you got a cause, you got a message, and you want to really, really get that message out through your movie, right? If that is your purpose, you will fail. If your purpose isn't to craft a really entertaining movie, you will fail. If your purpose in rolling out green energy is to prop up unions, you will fail. At the green energy thing. Obviously. You are at cross purposes with yourself. No. Yeah. You you have sold yourself out. God, he's a terrible president. That's unbelievable. And I can't believe I had to hear a quote from Elon Musk to find out about this. You'd think the green loving, climate change obsessed media would have pointed that out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, you know, as we were discussing earlier, they cut out the incredibly important quote from Barack Obama talking about the border, saying that, you know, Having open borders is is unsustainable. It's just it's not practical. You can't do God, it. That is ABC so, cut that out of the interview. That is so freaking weak. So you're going to shove this climate change stuff down my throat. And so how often does that happen with various uh, solar farms or solar uh, or wind farms or solar energy or any of these different things? Solyndra, <laughs> where the the only successful one out there gets left by the wayside, and the unsuccessful, it's not practical at all, ones get elevated just because mm-hmm. they're playing ball. Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Wow, that is weak. Yeah. Well, Jack, I'll remind you of the words of the great Marcus Tullius Cicero, the Roman statesman. Never was a government that was not composed of liars, malefactors, and thieves. But somehow, people have been convinced that the government officials are their heroes and should be worshipped and loved. Fools. Malefactors, those are the worst. Oh, you can't swing a dead uh, Roman without hitting a malefactor. Hey, I'm uh, trying to save a little company money here. Climb in bed. Come on, we're going to share a room. Huh? I never never wear underpants to bed. Do you? (laughs) Come over here. It's a little chilly. (laughs) Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. KSTE. 
Armstrong and Getty Show. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So, yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Yes, that's uh, the guy that's likely to be governor again in Virginia or West Virginia? Virginia. Virginia. Terry McAuliffe. Clinton Knight, Terry McAuliffe. Oh, yes. he's the worst of the worst. I've hated this guy for decades. He's the guy that's featured on, like, page one of this town, uh, the book that we've been recommending for years about the way Washington, D.C. actually works. He's featured in the first chapter heavily as being a hack. He's just an absolute hack. He ran the DNC for a while, but anyway, he's running for governor again, and he says, I don't think parents should be telling schools what to teach children. Well, that's an interesting view. Especially because of Virginia, Loudoun County, Fairfax County, and others have been ripped apart by the bitter debate over this horrific, racist, so-called anti-racism stuff. The critical race theory, Ibram Kendi, all of that stuff. Pitting the kids against each other by race. Parents are enraged. And this moron, and I'm so glad he did it, said, I don't think parents ought to be telling the, the schools what they can teach. Well, I, I, we'll see if he wins or not. It's a close race. He's up by two or three. Um, but, um, if you can say that out loud and like a whole, all of America doesn't go, what? That's really frightening to me. Other, yeah, everybody racist garbage, porn, whatever. You just have to sit there and take it, mom and dad. Even without that, even without, even without our recent experience, who's supposed to be in charge of what kids learn in school? Not parents. That's crazy. No. No, our leaders our betters. The, the the master race, the elites of the country, Jack, you fool, you plebeian. Silence. Um, by the way, something, just because I was all worked up about how hypocritical Joe Biden was on the whole climate change thing. God dang it. I'm the climate change president. It's an existential threat. It's the most important thing happening in the world. I'm going to have a meeting of all the electric car makers in the world and talk about it, except for you didn't have Tesla show up because they don't have uh, unions for their auto workers. I looked up the actual stats. Tesla, 80% of electric car sales are Tesla. 80%. Not a joke. So it's it's a joke. It is a a joke. That's exactly what it is, you tired old man, a joke. And not only did you not invite Elon Musk there with all the leaders from all the other car companies, you never even mentioned a Tesla or Elon Musk. You didn't even mention You pretended that they don't even exist. So don't say another freaking word about climate change. When you're being that incredibly phony, you care more about making sure your unions like you than actually doing anything about. And that's just amazing. Anyway. Uh, well, hey, they pay his bills, so he takes his marching orders from them. And Bingo. The, and, and also, as people hmm. continue to talk about electric cars and how much they do, 1.8% last year. And it's it's expanded a lot. Electric car sales in America, it's gone up a lot as a percentage. It's still 1.8% of car sales in America. Mm. Any nothing. No, no. When it gets to 10, that will be a conversation worth having. And I'm not anti-electric car. I think they're pretty cool. I might own one. I'm driving a Tesla right now. Soonish. But anyway. Oh, you know, there's more to that uh, Chinese solar uh, panel thing that I brought up. That's pretty interesting. It reminds me, I I played golf the other day with a friend of a friend. That's the one with the, the stick and the ball and the holes? That's the one, yeah, yeah. You whack it through the air, eventually it rolls in a hole uh, <laughs> after you've shouted several obscenities. <laughs> so, anyway, this guy was a, hmm, I'm just going to say a tradesman. One of your building trades uh, in the mobbed up sections of North Jersey and uh, and New York. 
New York City area, like Hoboken, New York, that sort of thing. And um, and there are plenty of actual Tony Sopranos running around there. Less than there used to be. but um, and, and he made the point, um, and this is classic mob wisdom I've heard many times. He said, you don't, you must avoid being in a situation where you owe them a favor. You just can't be in their debt. Hmm. Because then they'll say, look, there's something you can do for me. And they'll have you laundering money or whatever. And then you're screwed. Oof. So anyway, you don't want to owe them a favor. And I'm reminded of that in that we, American consumers, are now in the debt of Chinese cheap goods. And Vietnamese, too, to some extent. But they're not nearly as evil as the Chinese these days. We are so dependent on cheap Chinese goods, we're like a junkie on our knees begging. And they talk about they were uh, the reason there's not much of a solar panel industry in the United States is because China illegally subsidized them. They had panels dumped at low cost in America, driving our manufacturers to a large extent out of business. So now we our, our supply is very, very weak domestically. And now they're pretending they're coming from other countries, but they just send them like to Vietnam to slap a sticker on there that says made in Vietnam. Oh, really? And that's it. So now we're saying, all right, we're going to hit you with tariffs. So they're saying, okay, you don't get any solar panels. And so the supply chain's being terribly interrupted. We're in debt to the Chinese communist mobsters. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In the fall of 2020, my analysis was that an accelerated withdrawal without meeting specific and necessary conditions risks losing the substantial gains made in Afghanistan, damaging U.S. worldwide credibility, and could precipitate a general collapse of the ANSF and the Afghan government resulting in a complete Taliban takeover or general civil war. That was a year ago. My assessment remained consistent throughout. I wish he'd told the president that. Why didn't he tell the president? Great Grandpa Biden said nobody told him that. Black bad at care. Yeah. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? So the uh, two generals, uh, well, the general and the SECDEF, former general, um, testifying on Capitol Hill both yesterday and today, today in front of Congress. Uh, I expect some fine grandstanding to come out of that as various Congress idiots who are constantly campaigning will attempt to get on their local news. Um, I wonder if there will be anything of substance that comes of it. I don't know. Uh, but some of the reactions to the hearing yesterday I thought were interesting. We both thought were interesting. Um, uh, let's start with uh, Nebraska Senator Deb Fisher, who seems like a very uh, reasonable gal. I'm sorry, 41, Michael. President Biden disregarded the advice of his top generals. He knew what the risks were. He knew what the consequences would be. And he went ahead and made his own decision on this. You know, that's a it's really a pattern we've seen with the president. Bob Gates made the observation in his book that Joe Biden in 40 years in the United States Senate was wrong on just about every serious foreign policy or national security decision. And he was wrong on this one. He should have listened to his generals. 
Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with her on that. The execution was botched terribly. If you know, if the generals wanted a perpetual force of 2,500 to 3,500 guys, that's that's debatable. But if they were just saying, "Look, we need uh, we need a few thousand to get our people out," and he ignored that, well, then that's uh, that's a terribly botched uh, decision. Molly Hemingway, always interesting. Clip 44. The departure from Afghanistan, it was not a logistical success. It was a logistical failure. It is true that it was also a strategic failure. So not only should there be accountability for the disastrous departure, it should also be accountability for the people who mismanaged what that very noble effort to hold uh, to 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 make Afghanistan pay for harboring the terrorists that caused so much damage and making sure that there was no foothold. That was not managed well, and there has been no accountability. What do you think of Millie saying that it was a logistical uh, triumph or victory, the evacuation? I don't, I don't get the the numbers on that because they got out a whole bunch of people. But as we know, I'm pretty sure it's known we didn't get out very many of the people we were supposed to get out. Is mostly just random Afghans. So I don't understand. Was that the goal to just get a hundred thousand people out? Anybody? You know, I've heard it on pretty good authority from more than one military man that the higher up in rank you go, the less you're a soldier and the more you're a politician. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Millie was trying to be a politician in saying, given the impossible situation we were put in by the idiot civilian leadership, it was a logistical victory. It was a logistical wonder- success, but a strategic failure. I wonder if that's what he meant. Um, that That would be defensible. Um, oh, oh, you know what I really want to get to is uh, Tom Cotton, who was harsh in his criticisms. Jump 49. down, turn around, pick a bale of Tom Cotton. Now, Joe Biden has always liked to talk tough and about how he stood up to the generals when he was vice president, and he was the only one who said that Barack Obama shouldn't send more troops there. He liked to talk tough earlier this year, saying that he rejected the advice of his military generals. And that was everyone, the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Commanding General of Central Command, the Commanding General in Afghanistan, all of them, we now know, said you should keep this small force there. He liked to yeah. peddle the story that it showed him being tough, and last month, he was lying about it because he wanted political cover. You know, the other, uh, I, I agree, by the way, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, the other aspect of it, and I have this in front of me somewhere. I'd like to hit you with the exact words, although I may have closed the uh, the tab. Um, General Milley talking about how shocked they were at the uh, the collapse of the Afghan armed services and uh, and government. How nobody saw that coming. And you know what I I haven't heard anybody say is that they were aware that the Taliban had been going province to province making deals, and they understood the the significance of that. Well, you remember Richard Engel, NBC News. He was the one that was howling when this was all going down. This is what I've been reporting for months. I've been reporting this for months. Right. That this was going to happen. The Taliban was working on this. How are you acting like you didn't know? But you're right. Uh, that hasn't been nailed down. Maybe it will be today in the House hearings. But did you know this or did you not know it? And if you didn't know it, why? Because the reporters knew it. Or or did they hear about it and didn't understand how widespread it was or something? Because we had to have people in the Afghan military, at least a couple who were loyal enough to their national military, the nation we built for them, which they didn't want anyway. Uh, we had to have a couple of people who'd say, hey, psst, Taliban stopped by our post the other day. White flag of truce said uh, they'd cut us a deal. They'd spare all of us if we'd give up the minute they came a-knocking. How could, how could we not know that? Or not understand the significance of it? I don't Because we, and this is, 
this is easy for me to say from the comfort of uh, the United States of America. Um, I think during the entire time in Afghanistan, the leadership, military, civilian, didn't really understand Afghanistan. I've actually had soldiers tell me that was true. Marines. Yeah. Well, I don't doubt that. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. The thirty thousand point, the 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 the, the, the view from thirty thousand feet. Michael, what's the music? It's Jack's view from thirty thousand feet. I've been I've been waiting like three hours and forty minutes for this. This is my favorite part of the show. <laughs> I think it's going to be another rough day and news cycle for Joe Biden. But then when it's over, this is going to go away. And, you know, no specific price will be paid for the bumbling of the leaving um, Afghanistan the way we did. We got out and 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 his goal was to get out. Most of America agrees with that goal. So that's that. But the lingering price will be the um, aura of we're the grown-ups, we're back in charge, competence is back in the White House, was destroyed, and that will never return. I would agree. For people left, right, and center. So he's going to carry, if he, you know, if he runs again, he's carrying that forward no matter what. The aura of, I've got this all under control, I understand how the Senate works, I understand how government works, I understand foreign relations, I was the chair of the committee for years, that is all destroyed. Yeah, I would agree completely. And listen, I'll put on my, uh, take off my uh, ideologue hat, um, and put on my, look, this is, this is like real life, Joe. Where I'd rather listen than talk, honestly, mostly. Ah, uh, the Biden administration is just floundering. I mean, they are, they are really heading toward bottom of the barrel, uh, of, of history wow. performance. I mean, they they will be cited in your lowest, uh, you know, quadrant of presidents. Maybe your lowest tenth. Um, Come on. Especially because the old man is rapidly losing his faculties, and I take no delight in saying that. Uh, his his team is terrible. I mean, picture the performance of old Alejandro Mayorkas this week and last week with his just mealy-mouthed, idiotic responses to Chris Wallace. I mean, that was embarrassing. Then you got the giggling vice president, who's who's displayed her 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 wisdom and skill at absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, where do you, where do you look for uh, for a strong performance? The sec def? I don't know. He's not terrible, but I'm telling you, they're they're headed for. Millard Fillmore, make Jimmy Carter look like Abe Lincoln territory. <laughs> wow, that's saying something. So we'll have another round of highlights from the grillings uh, today, now that the House has taken on these very same people. Uh, this made the news yesterday. The United States is about to declare 23 species, including the ivory-billed woodpecker, extinct. Gone forever, these these beasts. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of sad. The ivory-billed woodpecker and 22 more birds, fish, and other species declared extinct by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. When I was a kid, I was always really bothered by the idea of an animal, a beast, going extinct. It just, like, hurt my soul somehow as as I've grown up, and not near as much. I mean... (laughs) You're hardened. You've lost your love, love of the natural world. Well, beasts have been going extinct forever. That seems to be part of the whole deal. I mean, even... Almost every beast on the planet went extinct 65 million years ago uh, when a meteor Because hit. of overhunting. But it wasn't some, you know... Global warming. 
<laughs> it wasn't some malicious intent by any human. It was actually global smashing, now that I think about it. <laughs> and just all yeah, kinds all of beasts have been going but extinct the wood, forever. But, but no, no, that's the wrong way to look at it. My God, man, have you no soul? The, the, the woodpecker, for instance, which was a gorgeous creature, was uh, hunted out of uh, existence. Overhunted, it's terrible. Plus, uh, uh, you know, mowing down its habitat in the old growth forests of the east. We need parking lots. <laughs> um, eight freshwater mussels are gone. Oh, no. Two species of fish, a bat and a plant. All gone, along with 11 birds. A bunch of stuff, I guess, that existed only on various uh, Pacific islands, too. But, you know, I'm some, not in favor of it. Some little bat needed to go. Got too many bats anyway. Eh. Yeah, no kidding. Look at the friggin' coronavirus. Yeah, less bats. More parking lots. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, here, here. They, people were hunting the ivory-billed woodpecker? <laughs> Yeah, it's for a, that its whole image, exactly for its feathers and then to put on the wall and stuff, and they just hunted it right out of existence. Not practically. cool. They think that's happened to a bunch of the uh, the big uh, mammals of old. Your ice age animals, your your mastodons, and your giant rhinos and giant sloths. And yeah, stuff. the woolly mammoth. We just got really good at killing them. They would get around them with spears and uh, and 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 bring them down, and they got good enough at it that destroyed them. And have a yummy, yummy mammoth barbecue. Exactly. They're in your loincloth. Partying tonight. Eat as much as you want. Can I bring anything? Yeah, how about a dessert? Yeah. Around the old campfire. By the way, the plate in your lip is looking great, or whatever that's... Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I just... <laughs> I just... <laughs> All right. Probably ought to end the segment. Are there still people in the world that do that? I remember being fascinated by that as a kid. You start with oh, a little I rock so. in your lip, and then you put in bigger and bigger rocks until your lip hangs way down here. I don't right, think my the, kids have been exposed to that. It's like the dudes who uh, put the hole in their ear and stretch it out and stretch it out till they get like a couple of uh, you know gym ropes hanging from their ears. Yeah, Terrible. I don't know, but you, you don't really need your earlobes. I mean, I still think it's weird, but you need your lip. It seems like a really functioning part of your whole thing. And the, have it hanging down here. Do your lip hang low? Do you wobble to and fro? Having yeah, your lip good. way down here just seems it's impractical. How do you whistle? And then other group that puts the rings around their neck, stretching their head up. That's another one. Yeah, no. See, I like that one. Because I'd like to be taller. <laughs> Maybe I'll start that. Maybe I'll do that. Exactly. Is there any downside? How could there be? <laughs> if you've ever done this, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, guys, there's a lot of drama in Washington, D.C. right now because if Congress doesn't pass a funding bill by midnight Thursday, the government will shut down. If there is a shutdown, that means TSA agents will probably have to work without pay. It'll be weird when a TSA agent is patting you down like, I'm not in it for the money. That's disturbing. <laughs> so the shutdown won't happen. Democrats will pass it. They're trying to squeeze uh, political points out of it. That's the reporting from people who are talking to others behind closed doors. Now, there was some reporting earlier that the uh, the left flank of the Democratic Party is going to hold firm on this whole infrastructure thing. So remember your left flank, your your Bernie crowd, your AOC crowd, or whoever, saying no way, we're not going to allow the 1.5 trillion 
infrastructure package to pass unless you do the three and a half trillion human infrastructure package. Uh, it has become clear that there's no way the three point five trillion can pass. So um, Nancy Pelosi unlinked the two and is going to attempt to pass the one point five trillion tomorrow. It's already passed the Senate. If it passes the House tomorrow, then it's just Joe Biden signs it. Um, but. Is the left going to hold out? She She's only got a five-vote majority, five or six, and so she can't lose very many people and still get this thing passed. Well, some reporting is that the left is saying, screw it, we're, we're taking this all the way to the wall, all the way wow. to the mouth. You're going to pull Nancy's sensible pants down in front of the nation? Be careful. Ooh. Oh, my God. I agree, Bernie. And speaking of Bernie, <laughs> Bernie said just a little bit ago, my fear is that if the dual-track agreement is broken and we only pass the infrastructure bill in the House... I su- then we won't become communists. <laughs> I suspect we will never get to reconciliation, though it will be significantly watered down. I agree. If they don't pass the $3.5 trillion, it'll just disappear. There'll be some noise at some point about After the first of the year, we'll take a look at that, and you'll just never hear about it again. Which well, is good. I hope for the country. That's what I'm rooting for. But, oh, yeah, that's that would be fantastic news. But uh, if I don't know how it's going to go, and I'm not sure they know how they're going to vote yet. The squad and everybody else on this. If they're if they're letting the, willing to let them both die, if they think they've got the leverage, there's a chance they both go down and neither one pass. Wow. Well, I'm telling you, the revenge of Nancy will be swift and fierce if they uh, embarrass her in front of the nation. Don't pass and these you're so-called a dog too. <laughs> pass this so-called legit infrastructure bill. But that now I'm actually interested in this process at least a little bit. But I, in terms of the 3.5 trillion dollar turning America into France Act, they will uh, they will let that go down because it will go down, and they will scream and they will cry and they will bellow about how. The, the you know the fat cats are sticking it to the poor and that will be their rallying cry for a very long time and whether it's uh, the driver's licenses for illegal aliens or socialized medicine or whatever they're going to keep working they're going to keep driving they believe bernie believes it's only a matter of time till we're the socialist states of america bernard sanders and we got to keep fighting them so when they were looking for gabby petito they found her they found another dude did you know that Guy, really? named, guy named Robert Lowry, 46, father of two from Houston, who'd been missing for quite a while, and they found another body. So, two for one. That's Jiminy. Andy. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Here's your host, Joseph Getty. How about a final thought from everybody on the crew, including our technical director, Michelangelo in the control room? Michael? Yeah, there are definitely shipping problems, so parents, start buying your Christmas presents now. My wife and I are already doing our Christmas shopping, and uh, don't make your kids think you don't love them this year. <laughs> they hate getting clothes and books, I'm telling you. Clothes and books. Okay. Young Alex, our producer behind the scenes, has a final thought. Alex? You know, if you've listened to the show today, you might have picked up on many Simpsons references. It's one of my favorite shows. So, uh, gentlemen of the show, you tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is... Never try. Exactly. Homer Simpson. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jack, a final thought for us? Uh, new R1 COVID variant. Have you heard about this? Swept through an old folks home in Kentucky this week. Infected 45 residents and workers. Like super fast spreading. I hope this turns out to be nothing. Scariants. I was just thinking, I got to do some research on the kids vaccine. I think it's just a matter of days before they say my kid can't go to school unless he gets vaccinated. Oh, boy. 
Oh, boy. My final thought is actually a question to Jack. So when my kids were little, we'd watch The Simpsons together, and we're all fans. My, my wife, not so much. But uh, we finally had to pass a ban on Simpson quotes at the dinner table. <laughs> because our attempts at conversation were just long strings of Simpsons quotes. <laughs> we'll probably get there. My kids laugh so hard at The Simpsons. Every episode is on uh, Disney. You know, all 39 seasons or whatever it is. And, geez, we've several episodes we've watched multiple times. When when Homer becomes a truck driver and enters the all-you-can-eat meat contest, I mean, they just oh. love that episode for some reason. Is that the, this man died of meat poisoning? Absolutely. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty <laughs> wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. <laughs> so many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have swag for you. All the hot links are there. Some great clicks. Uh, if you want to email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. And if you miss any part of the show, you want to listen via podcast, you can go to armstrongandgetty.com, Armstrong and Getty On Demand, or just wherever you get podcasts. They love Dr. Nick. Hi, everybody. <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. All right. Not going to lie. LGDP, uh, L. GT LBG. But if all this is true, why haven't you resigned? And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. Are you shitting me? So let's go out with a bang. 2,500 troops. <laughs> Who needs 2,500 troops? I do. That I know. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.